Mozed. Welcome to Winner Take All, where we talk about the constant battle between large tech monopolies and traditional incumbents. You know, we actually have a great example of something that could actually signify both of those things. Traditional enterprise that is now embracing platform model, doing a lot of M&A. Uh, we're going to have a deep dive on this uh, in an upcoming episode so you can kind of see the history of how they've pulled it off. We've spoken multiple times on the show about uh, reliance industries in India. Mukesh Ambani, uh, the uh, the owner of that business or you know primary owner of that business, I think one of, if not the richest people in Asia, um, might be the richest person in Asia now. And in the past month, you've heard about uh, General Atlantic, KKR, Facebook um, investing into Reliance Industries. And a lot of people were kind of like, whoa, we've been talking about it on the show for a while. Their move into becoming a platform company. Mukesh has given presentations where literally behind him, it says, we're going to be a platform company. And so how do they do this? Well, they um, made huge investments into becoming uh, one of the dominant telecom companies in in India um, through Geo, which they have now basically subsidized the price of that to get huge adoption. And now on the heels of that huge telecom adoption, they are forging into other platform businesses that sit on top of this huge penetration that they have through the telecom giant. The one I want to touch on today is Grocery. Geomart is their grocery kind of food delivery uh, business and platform. They have 400 million users on Facebook WhatsApp's messaging service. So, in partnership with Facebook and then Geomart, they're now rolling out this you know food delivery business. So, Geomart is the e-commerce venture of uh, Reliance's retail arm. Arm offering free express express grocery delivery from these neighborhood mom and pop stores, right? So these kind of small grocers, bodegas, and so on and so forth. So now they are kind of coming into uh, the Indian market to to uh, rival the existing food delivery platforms that are there, and using this huge install base that they have with the telecom install base from Reliance, and now with Facebook taking a roughly 10% stake in, in Geo Platform, which is the holding company. Geo Mart sits underneath Geo Platform. We're going to have a little diagram on this, don't worry, uh, in an upcoming episode. So Facebook took 10% in, in Geo Platform, and now Facebook is saying, hey, we've got 400 million people. You've got all the strength and breadth of the telecom giant. Let's use this to penetrate into adjacent complementary platform businesses like food delivery. Uh, so here they go. I think this is going to be really interesting to see uh, how well they can now kind of fuse the might of Facebook and 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 Geo from the telecom standpoint and forge into these new platform territories. Uh, food being a natural starting point to to try this out. Interestingly, here is a Reliance Industries stock. You can see it taking a dip. It's relatively flat, despite all the things. So they're raising capital. You haven't necessarily seen a huge impact yet of you know from the platform performance. Here's their one-year performance. You can see. But again, if they can show this starting to work, then you're going to start to see you're going to see this affect the stock price in a pretty material way. Similarly, on the food-related note, uh, Mai Tuan Dian Ping. 
the dominant food delivery platform uh, Uber Eats-esque company in China. It just released earnings. And so their stock was up uh, almost 10% after trading because they showed that their revenue um, only slid, uh, you know, less than what was expected. It was reported that, you know, they were expecting to lose about 13% uh, in revenue and they came in underneath that. So basically what you're seeing is that they were expected to go down. They didn't go down as much and the markets really um, responded positively to that. You can see here, uh, this is their valuation, you know, compared to the other Alibaba, Tencent, and now here is my twine compared to Alibaba and Tencent. You can see them here uh, and, and this big jump. This was all in, in, the, in the past day or so when, when they released their earnings results for, uh, for Q1, that is. So um, interesting information here. They're not in plat. They have an OTC status with with uh you know with the u.s exchanges which means that they don't release enough information they don't disclose enough information in their annual and quarterly filings that that we could objectively read through that document and say yes you know we have objectively found the right language and numbers and financial disclosures that would allow the, us to include them in plat uh, the the platform fund. So I think this whole thing that's going on, where you have you have a lot of Chinese platform companies, some really strong ones like MyTuan, was never even able to be in Plat because they have OTC status in the United States. You you know as a as an investor from the U.S. or Europe, you could put money in, but you're not going to have as much again transparency disclosures. You're not going to have as much liquidity because OTC is over the counter. Right, so you don't have as much liquidity, um, as much volume, uh, because it's not listed on a U.S. or European exchange because it's not following the same disclosure practices that we spoke about on the last episode of Winner Take All. So you know, there's interesting developments in in terms of just Chinese stocks in general and how the U.S. is going to look at uh, what kind of reporting requirements they have to have. There's obviously all this stuff that's going on with on with Hong Kong right now. So, so what you actually see is, uh, like Baidu was rumored to be exploring listing themselves, say, on the Hong Kong exchange, um, because of uh, what the U.S. government is is kind of murmuring about, um, or what the Senate passed in terms of increasing the reporting requirements on Chinese stocks listed on U.S. exchanges. Now. Uh, the other part of this is now that you're seeing that because of what the Chinese government is doing to Hong Kong, the Hong Kong exchanges might actually be put in a similar predicament because they are losing their autonomy, unfortunately, because of what the Chinese government is now doing to um, kind of encroach upon the the treaty that they had with England and all this kind of stuff. So um, I, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, there's just a lot of really promising Chinese uh, platform companies in general. There's a lot of really great Chinese platform growth. Um, the the downside is the the lack of faith and the lack of transparency, and those go hand in hand. Uh, which you know I would argue is suppressing a lot of the value of their stocks. Where you know if 
if they could build more confidence in investors. And I think rightly so. It's not necessarily each company's fault, but this is kind of a, a, a broader meta issue that if these companies were to subject themselves to greater standards around, you know, having an accredited auditing and a, a firm to audit them, right? Um, to have required disclosures and more requirements around transparency that would engender greater trust from foreign investors. I think you would actually see the the relative value or multiples increase for a lot of these Chinese platform companies um, because there's now just greater demand and greater interest from investors who can invest in them. Whereas right now you've got some really strong companies that are kind of under the radar. This is a massive hundred billion dollar company. But it's an OTC stock in the United States. So it's all this kind of crazy stuff going on. Bringing it back to U.S. tech madness is uh, there's this nice little snippet on TikTok from Joe Rogan about uh, Facebook censorship. I I think Facebook, honestly, out of all the big um, content platform, you know, tech monopolies is probably handling it better than most. But but let's listen into to what these guys had to say. Names. There's, team, there's, there's team Super lockdown free. and there's team freedom. There's only two teams. Fa- right Facebook now. Facebook took down a protest that was in opposition to social distancing and all these measures. And Facebook decided that's that insane. that was harmful that's and insane. spreading false information. So they took down the actual that protest. Right, man. So think about mm. this. What we're dealing with, guys, team lockdown. is true censorship. Yeah. And we yeah. don't believe in freedom of speech anymore. And <clears> you'll hear people who say things like this. We're a nation obsessed with freedom. Americans need to learn that freedom is not the end all and be all. I don't yeah, want to know. That's some bullshit. It is, though. Yeah, I'm it's the one so I posted that. Dangerous. No, it's I posted so that. dangerous. I posted this that on, on our chat. But, but that's why I James, there's team, there's, there's team Super lockdown free. and there's team freedom. There's only two teams. Fa- right now. Facebook, Facebook took down a protest that was in opposition to social distancing and all these measures. And Facebook decided that's that, that was harmful that's and insane. spreading false information so you had that right where where uh what, what they were talking about on joe rogan was there were these uh you know protests from people uh, you know wanting to to have rallies um some some following social distancing um guidelines and some not but nonetheless they were protesting you know lockdown shelter in place these kinds of things that's a you know that's an american right and Facebook was taking down the groups where they were trying to use to organize to run these rallies or protests. And that's what they were talking about on the Joe Rogan show where, hey, I mean, you can't do this. You, you can't. You, it's not like they broke a law. Um, and, and uh, you know, this was inappropriate. And Facebook was doing this in multiple states where they were taking, you know, this is, it has happened more than once on Facebook. Now you see Twitter fact checking the president's tweets uh, by placing a warning on on the tweet, um, basically, uh, Trump was tweeting about there being, um, you know, ma- if you have mail in bo- ballots that you know there's voter fraud associated with that, mailboxes will be robbed, ballots will be forged, and even illegally printed out and fraudulently signed, and and yada yada yada. And so they decided to um, not take not take it down, but to, you know, kind of put a disclaimer like, hey, learn the truth about what this is. You can click the information button and then and then Twitter will bring you to their own set of information or something like that, basically saying the opposite where there isn't voter fraud from mail-in ballots and these kinds of things. 
and I and I think this is where the platforms have have been struggling for months, years, and you know they want to try and control this curation, and it, it's just not working for them. And and I think they're going to lose on this because. What their job is to do is to help connect information and bring it together, right? The moment you try to become the arbiter of what is, you know, right versus wrong, of what is true versus not, you're never going to get that right. I mean, you are never going to get that right. And especially now in, in today's kind of ultra political culture and environment, right? Now these things become politicized and now the tech platforms get seen as, as being on one side or the other. I don't think they really want to be on one side or the other, um, but they're they're coming under pressure from the other side. If right, if one side is saying something and it gets a lot of publicity, and then they're saying, "Well, the other side says, well, you're misleading. You know, you're misleading people. Hey, platform, you need to educate people." And it just goes back and forth and back and forth. And I think that these platforms need to find a way to take themselves out of this, um, and rather than having things like matchmaking which is one of the the four core functions of a platform rather than, you know, them controlling all of the matchmaking, right? So, you know, what content you see, what, what appears at the top of your feed versus, you know, there's all this kind of talk um, about shadow banning, right? Posts uh, or now you're seeing it try to suggest information about what is right or wrong or Facebook taking down these posts or these groups with people trying to organize protests. I mean, <clears throat> there's also these stories about YouTube uh, taking down comments that are critical of, of the uh, Chinese Communist Party. And and basically the, the TLDR there was that YouTube has algorithms that basically automatically if if a if a bunch of people flag certain types of words or keywords or content as being inappropriate, then the algorithm learns that this is inappropriate and starts to proactively take it down. So basically, China has all these uh, bots on YouTube that will take file all of these flagged violations on YouTube, and now the Chinese bots are actually training the YouTube algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> to take down comments critical of the Chinese Communist Party. The irony, of course, in all of that situation is YouTube is banned in China. So no one can even see it if you're a Chinese citizen. Right? It's all just this kind of external uh, image kind of controlling uh, efforts on, on behalf of the Chinese government. I mean, it's genius, honestly. But anyway, <clears throat> you know, you have this constant balance of what should the platform try to do itself Versus what should it externalize where you see kind of Google and YouTube trying to just automate it. You see Facebook having to hire thousands and thousands of people either themselves or hire out other kind of contract agencies to help have humans review this information. Twitter now trying to, you know, propose alternative information. It's just not going to end well for any of them. And now you have, uh, uh, Trump saying that he's going to regulate these tech platforms in a in a big way or shut them down entirely. And that is that's the fire they're playing with and there is a very valid argument that these content platforms are stifling free speech. And and it honestly doesn't matter if it's left or it's right. The point is that if you are a monopoly, which they are, and the reason why they are a monopoly is simple. Just ask yourself this. 
if Twitter were to ban Trump or, you know, um, some big left icon or right icon from using Twitter, what other platform could, could that individual use to get their message out, which would have a similar content type, right? These kind of like short form text messages, right? Twitter owns the content platform in that product space, right? They have a monopoly on a content platform, a social network for short form text messages, just like, um, you know, YouTube has, has a monopoly on these longer form videos, just like you now have, you know, basically uh, Instagram and TikTok for shorter form video content. You have Facebook for, uh, you know, kind of images and and uh, and social networking and and it kind of got Facebook, which is like the personal sh- social network and LinkedIn is the business social network. Each one of these content platforms monopolizes their respective space, right? Similarly, if you're a business professional and you do something to uh, tick off LinkedIn and they ban you from LinkedIn, there's no other business social networking uh, platform that you can go and use, right? So they have monopoly power and you don't need to look at it from the consumer. You just need to look at it from the producer. If you are the producer, you're trying to get your message out there. Um, These are absolutely public utilities in the sense of being able to use them. There's no other alternative channel form of communication for that content type um, that you can use as a viable alternative. Now, the DOJ and the FTC have not been able to thread the needle on that antitrust argument. That's their own fault. They keep on trying to say that the consumer is disadvantage is at a disadvantage. All you need to do is say platforms have two customer relationships, a consumer and a producer. Uh, and and why is a producer a customer to these content platforms? Because if you if you think about it, how does the content platform make money? Ads. So would you say that a customer is someone that is now giving you inventory for free and coming to you and and is basically helping you generate revenue by giving you your inventory for free wouldn't that fit the profile of a of a customer um isn't that customer effectively paying youtube or or any of these ad driven uh platforms uh where youtube has like a you know 55 60% ad revenue split so if i'm creating videos I get a dollar worth of ads. I'm effectively giving YouTube, you know, 40, 45% of that dollar um, as the fee. And so I would say, yeah, I'm a customer of YouTube if I'm a content creator, right? Um, And similarly, the shorter form content platforms, the Twitter, the Instagrams, et cetera, they actually just take all the ad revenue and the uh, the producers actually don't get any of that. They just get kind of status and, and audience and all this kind of stuff. So, I think you can absolutely establish the customer relationship with the producers. And the question is, does the producer have any, uh, any other alternative channels to go to? Uh, and the answer is no, they don't. Now, the, the, the DOJ, FTC haven't been able to thread the needle on that antitrust argument. But, um, you know, I think thinking about these companies as public utilities, and then you say, okay, well, if they ban you, or if you don't have the ability to rebut them, right? Or if they kick you off and you have no recourse to say, hey, why'd you kick me off? Which we've seen with both left and right and religious figures, right? Um, 
where you have now different religious groups on these content platforms, again, flagging the other group's content for being abusive or in violation or whatever. And then the, it creates all the algorithm, algorithms into disarray. It puts all the human moderators into disarray. And then people get thrown off the platform and there's no really due recourse for a lot of these creators. And so you don't, you know, you, you don't really have the ability to rebut it properly. So now you're kicked off. And this is the challenge, right? This is where um, the government's role is is there to provide guidelines about what is appropriate and inappropriate, right? How should you regulate abusive content, abusive uh, content creators? Um, you know, what kind of recourse should you provide if someone wants to rebut, um, you know, a negative action that's taken against you and and so on and so forth. Right now, each platform is kind of creating its own standards. We've seen Facebook now try to try to create this kind of community of like, uh, you, you know, like content, spiritual, uh, you know, visionaries that, that are supposed to be third parties providing guidance about what the guidelines should look like. Everyone's trying to do their own thing here. And this is the whole point is to say, well... Um, you need to have a public forum, a public debate about saying, well, if this is a public utility, we need to have a public debate about what is the appropriate behavior of the public utility, i.e. the platform company, the private platform company, and how they should handle themselves. Just like if you're in a movie theater and you yell fire and you say, well, you know, and you could get in trouble for that if you are lying and you make that up. But there's been public debate around why that's inappropriate about kind of due course from a legal and jurisdictional uh, standpoint about, you know, you can't kind of just incite fear for for uh, the wrong reasons like that and panic. Um, and so there's now precedent. There's been a public dialogue around that. And and you get that outcome, right? Or it's not a violation of free. Well, it's not a violation of free speech if you get in trouble for yelling fire inappropriately in a movie theater and inciting panic. Okay. And that's been a part of the public dialogue. We haven't had the public dialogue. We haven't had this dynamic of how should you think about opening up, say, regulators to look at how the platform is handling matchmaking, how the platform is handling taking down content, banning content, and banning users, what kind of recourse the users have when they are banned. You know, that needs to happen. Eventually, it's going to happen. Um, and, uh, and, and Facebook, I, I think probably I give the best the the best ranking to Facebook in terms of how they've tried to handle this, right? Where you have Zuckerberg who's come out and said, hey, we want to be regulated. We want guidance from the government on this because he has he knows this is going to happen. We're going into an election year. This is an election year. Both sides are going to get super heated and Facebook's never going to be able to thread the needle on this. He knows that. And so he's asked for the government to regulate him June of last year at the Aspen Festival. They haven't done anything. They haven't even regulated or tried to provide guidance on this. So everyone's trying to plot their own course. I think the more that, for example, Twitter going in this direction, this is the wrong direction. The more you're trying to put these kind of like hard rules or, or inserting yourself directly into the conversation, that ultimately is going to backfire on you. And now you're just making yourself a biased party to that conversation. Now, where do you draw the line on you know, where is it appropriate for you to put these little information symbols and where is it not appropriate? And uh, 
you're never going to be able to figure out when it's right or wrong. And everyone's going to have an opinion about when it's right and wrong. So why put yourself in that position in the first place? I don't think it makes much sense. I think it just puts them at a unnecessary vulnerability and, and liability for the company. So um, that's it for us today on Winner Take All. Thank you very much for joining us. Hope everyone had a great Memorial Day weekend. We will talk to you later this week. Thank you.